as I look around the sanctuary this morning, I see many characters. Many characters, and they're not all children dressed in their costumes either. A lot of characters in the house. But I saw Chewbacca. I saw the Incredibles. I'm sure there, I saw Shuri from Black Panther. Man, I, I, I see Dr. Seuss and all kinds of characters today. And your pastor is a kid at heart because I'm a comic book collector. If you know that about me, you, you know I collect comic books. And uh, I've got quite a few. And my brother Robert and I, we, we love to talk about comics. And I'm a Marvel comics guy. But if I'm going to be objective, I've got to admit that the greatest comic book character did not come from Marvel comics, but he came from DC Comics. <laughs> and that character is Superman. Superman is the greatest comic book character ever created. <laughs> he was created by Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster in 1938. As a matter of fact, they started working on this character in 1933. And finally, five years later, came to just the right character. And he was published in his own comic, Action Comics, number one, 1938. And if you are fortunate to have a copy of that comic book, uh, you would be a millionaire, depending upon what kind of condition that it's in. So don't look down on me because I collect comics. It's an investment into my children's future. It's like stocks and bonds. But yeah, Superman came out, and on the cover, he's lifting a car over his head. And uh, these two young men who started working on this comic as teenagers, um, they borrowed concepts from their Jewish heritage. And they wanted this character to resemble Samson in his strength. But they also wanted him to be like the great deliverer Moses because of his ability to come and rescue people who were in trouble. But above all, these two young Jewish men who did not claim to have a faith like we have ultimately centered this character not just on Samson and Moses, but they centered him on the Messiah whom we know to be Jesus Christ. Because Superman, like Jesus, was sent to earth by his father. And Superman, like Jesus, came to earth as a baby. And he had two plain, ordinary parents who in the earlier concepts of the character, his parents were called Mary and Joseph. But those names were changed later to Martha, and I can't remember his father's name. Superman began his mission as a grown man, not as a boy. They came back later and started writing Superboy to make money. But when he first came, he began his quote-unquote ministry as a full-grown man, just like Jesus Christ began his ministry at the age of 30. Superman also went to the Arctic headquarters 
of the fortress of solitude, wherever he had to go to commune with his father to learn more about his powers and his mission. And it's reminiscent of when Jesus went into the wilderness and was tested and he leaned on the word of God and the strength provided by his father. Superman, if you will, had two natures. He was a mild-mannered reporter named Clark Kent, but we also know him as the powerful uh, Superman as well. Because Jesus has two natures as lamb and lion, God and man. Superman had the ability to outrun a locomotive, to jump over a building in a single bound, and to be able to catch bullets in his hands. And he just had this supernatural power. And also Superman um, had a moment where he experienced death many years ago in a comic book called The Death of Superman, which set up the resurrection of Superman, where they even made a movie called Superman Returns. And so there are many parallels, and if you're like my wife and you enjoyed the very first Superman movie that came out in 1976 starring Christopher Reeve, the end of that movie, he uh, looks off into the camera, and my wife shouts every time he does that with those piercing blue eyes. Good thing I'm not easily, you know, I'm not jealous. But when it ends, he looks into the camera as he's outside of Earth, and you see Earth in the distance, he's in space, he looks off into the camera, he smiles, and then he flies away, and the idea is that the universe is safe. Earth is safe because Superman is watching. Well, these two young men borrowed from the greatest story ever told about the greatest person who ever lived, who spearheaded the greatest rescue ever accomplished, to defeat the greatest enemies ever assembled against man, to win the greatest victory ever attained for mankind. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, what Jesus did for us in defeating sin, death, and the devil to set us free. Now, I got bad news for you. Superman had a lot of powers, strength, speed, some say even faster than flash. He could shoot rays out of his eyes, all of this stuff. But I got bad news. You, you will never possess the powers of Superman. So if anybody ever said, you know, I'm going to get on top of this building and just leap off and see what happens, you will never <laughs> possess. <laughs> yeah. But the good news is you will be made like the one that Superman's creators copied off of. I'm going to say it one more time. You'll never be like Superman. But if you know Jesus Christ, you will one day be made like the one that Superman copied off of, which is far better than Superman. And so what I'm about to say today, it, it's going to sound like I'm reading out of a comic book. But I assure you, I'm not reading out of a comic book. I'm reading out of the Word of God. So open up your minds and let's go back to that childlike faith. And let's be amazed at the wonders of God. Uh, last week, I told you that there were three passages in the New Testament. There are many. 
three primary passages that point to the fact that in the eternal state, or when we die, and we occupy heaven and the new earth, there are three passages we looked at where we learn that we will receive bodies like the body of Jesus Christ. We looked at Philippians chapter 3, we looked at 1 Corinthians 15, and we looked at 1 John chapter 3 to remind us, to inform us, to teach us that when we die and resurrect, the bodies we're going to receive are going to be bodies like the Lord's. So here's the main point today. Like Jesus' resurrection body, our resurrection bodies will be physical, recognizable, and incredible. Oh, yeah. We're going to get bodies like his. Let me say this, like I said last week, in quality, but not in deity. Okay? So we're not going to be little gods, but because we're going to be made like him, we're going to have the capacity to reign with him as co-heirs. But we are not the heir. We are not gods, but our bodies will be made like the Son of God, Jesus in quality. And those bodies will be physical, recognizable, and incredible. So let's get ready. Number one, Jesus' resurrection body was physical. Now this is important because there are religions out there who don't believe in a physical resurrection. Namely, anyone that came out of the Jehovah's Witness or you know someone who is in the Jehovah's Witness, they don't believe that Jesus resurrected bodily from the dead. They believe that a phantom of some sort made a resurrection, and they don't focus on the fact that we'll have bodies like the Lord. I don't even understand where they're coming from. But there is an important reason why we have to make sure that we cite what the Bible cites when it talks about the physical body of Jesus Christ. So we don't think that this is just some existential spiritual thinking that has no ramifications towards living and, and breathing and moving as people. That yes, we will be in a spiritual state, but we're going to be spiritual people redeemed to the utmost with physical bodies. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, he rose with the physical body. And his body adhered to the five senses of seeing, hearing, touching, tasting, and smelling. And that's how our bodies will be. We will adhere to the five senses. From the scriptures, we learn that Jesus could walk and talk when he resurrected. Luke 24, verse 32, And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road? And while he opened the scriptures to us. So this is Jesus making a post-resurrection appearance, and he's walking with two believers on what is called the road to Emmaus. And he begins walking with them and talking with them. And as he's walking and talking with them as a physical being, he's able to remember people, places, events, and even scripture. Now, we know the Lord doesn't forget anything, but those things are put there for us because if our bodies are going to be like his, this means in the eternal state, whether we go to heaven first uh, and then, well, we're going to go to heaven and then we're going to go over to uh, the new world that he will create. We need to see from this is that we will be physical people, redeemed physical people who will be able to walk and talk, but also remember things. We're going to remember people, 
places, events, and even scripture. So somehow God's going to pull all that together, and it's going to be a beautiful thing. So that, therefore, when you get to heaven, you're going to remember things about earth. And some things about earth you won't want to remember, which is why some theologians say that when God wipes the tears out of your eyes in Revelation, in some respects he'll wipe certain aspects of your memory away because you don't want to be in the eternal state thinking about certain things that you did here that brought shame. So I don't know how all of it is going to work, but I'll grab a hold on to what is clear. We're going to walk and talk. And for some of us, that may not mean a whole lot. But for people who've never walked before, it means everything. Okay? People who are bound to wheelchairs, that when they get to heaven, they won't be bound to that limitation anymore. People who have children uh, who are differently abled, that when they get to heaven, they will be able like the son of God. And they won't be bound by the limitations of a fallen body and everything that comes with that. My father was a double amputee. And so when I see my dad, he will have both legs. And that may not mean much to some of you, but it means everything to many of us. Another thing about Jesus' body is that it was flesh and bones Luke 24, 39, Jesus said, behold my hands and my feet, because his disciples were doubting. He said, behold, so that you can see that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. So he said, touch me, because I know you're looking at me like we just saw you die. Now you're here before us, and he's like, I am here in flesh and bone. Touch me. Now, this means that we're going to have a body, again, that's physical, that can be touched and handled. Let's go a little deeper on this. The first body you received and the body that you're in now is contaminated with sin. You were born in iniquity. You were shaping in sin. All have sinned. Our bodies are drenched with sin. Even on our best day, our best moment, Paul said we can't escape the sin principle that is alive in each and every one of us that we inherited from the disobedience of Adam and Eve. We were born spiritually dead, physically dying. But the new bodies we're going to receive upon resurrection are not going to be contaminated with the stain of sin, but they're going to be permeated with the joy of righteousness. We will be incapable of sinning. We will have bodies like Jesus, who was incapable of sinning. And not only that, we will be living in a perfect environment where sin and the curse will not be able to enter. So therefore, we can't even truly comprehend what it's going to be like to have a perfect body, a perfect mind, a perfect mouth that doesn't speak and say things that are shameful and abhorrent. But this gives us hope that this old building is going to be transformed one day. But also, Jesus was physical to the point where he ate food after the resurrection. Verse 40, it says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Uh, but while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, have you any food here? I'm hungry because for three days I didn't eat. And I've gotten up out of that grave, and just like you, after having not eaten, you're ready to eat. So they gave him, verse 42, a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took it and ate it 
in their presence. I don't like it when people watch when I eat. You know, I don't know if they try to take something off my plate or they try to see if I'm going to choke on a bone. But, but they're watching him. They're gawking at him like, we don't believe it. He's right in front of us. He's alive to the point where he's eating food. And then Jesus even said in the upper room that there would come a time after having the last supper. He said, I won't drink from the vine with you again until the kingdom comes. Luke 22 Verse 17, so in our bodies, we will be able to eat and drink in the new world. But watch this stuff. Eating and drinking with taste buds that are not marred by sin. Eating and drinking things that haven't been marred by the fall. We will taste and drink, eat things that are just, you think your palate now, because God created you to enjoy good things which is why you can taste things and smell things and, and see things because he created all this for our enjoyment that we may see the creation and worship the creator and enjoy that he's given us these gifts. So when we get into the new uh, heaven and the new earth and we're going to see colors popping like we've never seen. We're going to be tasting foods like we've never tasted and it's going to be great. Because the Bible says, even in the book of Revelation, that there's going to be a marriage supper in heaven. And those of you, how many of y'all remember your uh, reception when you had to pay for other people to eat? <laughs> and some of us said, you know what, now, they're talking $50 a plate, $100 a plate. What can we get for about $20 a plate? And so you try to shrink that thing down, and somebody has a piece of lettuce, and they have one uh, bone of the chicken, you know, the, <laughs> You got the flats and, and, the, and the drumstick. You don't get both people. You get one. Because you're trying to make sure, you know. <laughs> but in the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation 19, we're going to eat and be blessed. I move quickly. Jesus in his physical body wore clothes. Revelation 1.13, he had this, as John turned around, Jesus had on this long robe and a sash around the waist. We will wear clothes in the new earth and in heaven. The Bible makes it clear, one set of clothing we're going to wear, the white robes, we're going to wear those. And it's a sign of our righteousness that has been imputed to us by Jesus, but also by the works that we've done for him. And so we're going to have these white robes. Now, and that is very much in line with first century wearing robes. But when Jesus saved us in the 21st century, we don't wear robes like that. So here's the idea. We're going to have more than one change of clothing in heaven. See, that didn't get some of y'all. But when I watch cartoons, Fred and Barney wore the same clothes every show. Like, man, y'all can't change this up, man. Every show. <laughs> and these images of heaven we see, it's just the robes. But if you like wearing blue jeans and you got saved in blue jeans, you're going to be able to wear blue jeans. God does not divorce you from your culture and your times when he saves you. And so heaven is not just going to be a place where people in the first century enjoy the culture of heaven. Because heaven is called both a country and a city. And countries and cities have cultures. It's not just first century but it's also going to be 21st century and beyond until the Lord comes. And so there will be, in the midst of unity, the ability to have individuality. 
That's the way it should be in the, in the church. Unified, but also different to the glory of God. Jesus also, we talked before, he's going to ride a white horse. We're going to ride white horses. Jesus will wear many crowns on his head, Revelation 19, 12. Now watch this. Some of us will wear crowns in the new world. Some of us. I'm thinking next week I may cover the rewards that Jesus gives out to his believers, to his children. Uh, because some of us, will, 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 the Lord will look at our works according to the book of 1 Corinthians, and we will be rewarded according to how we've served him. This judgment, which is called the Bema Seat, has absolutely nothing to do with our salvation. That was already determined. But this judgment has to do with the quality of how we lived our lives for him. And he's going to hold us accountable and judge our works that we did. And some of those works will come forth as gold, silver, and precious stones. And some of those works will come forth as wood, hay, and straw. And some of us will get into heaven but as by fire. But we won't get into heaven having been rewarded because we lived a life that was pleasing to him. Because what God will do is take those crowns, those jewels, and place them in crowns. Stephanus crowns, victory crowns, place them on our heads. Revelation uh, 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 chapter 3, verse 11, Jesus says, I'll give you a crown. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. Now, later in the book of Revelation, we learn that the elders would take their crowns off and cast them before the feet of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I hope that on that day, I'll be able to take something off my head that has been worthy in the presence of God after judgment and cast it down at his feet. But here's something that may shock many of you. Not only will Jesus walk and talk and have flesh and bones and eat food and drink and wear clothes and ride a white horse and wear many crowns, he's going to have a tattoo. Mm. Yeah, he's going to have a tattoo. Revelation 19, verse 12. It says, his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. Verse 16, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And those who come from conservative backgrounds want to quickly say, that the name was written on the robe, and the robe even coming across his thigh, it was written on the robe, the lower parts of the robe. It wasn't actually written on the thigh of Jesus. Because in Leviticus 19.28, the Jews were not to get tattoos, and Jesus would not have gotten a tattoo. Well, those of us who didn't grow up under such conservatism will say, based on Scripture, Jews, Christians, we're not under the law. The law was used to lead us to Jesus Christ. We're free in Christ as long as we don't use our freedom as a stumbling block for others. And some of us have the faith to get a tattoo, and we've gotten a tattoo. If you've gotten a tattoo, raise your hand. If you got a tattoo, all right. If you don't have one and you know the Lord, based on these scriptures I'm about to read, you're going to get a tattoo one day. <laughs> you may not want one, <laughs> but some of us are going to get them. Revelation 3, 12, 11, Revelation 3, 11 and 12. When Jesus says, I'm coming quickly and hold fast to that which you have so no one takes your crown. 
Verse 12, he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. Uh, that's not the verse I wanted. Let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. Ah, da, 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 da. Okay, uh, verse 12. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. Uh, so the writing signifies ownership. He's writing on us because he owns us. So he's going to write on us the name of his God. And even later in the book of Revelation, it says we're going to have the name of God in our foreheads. So God is going to give us a tattoo because the bodies are physical. But secondly, Jesus' resurrection body was recognizable. He looked like himself when he resurrected. Luke 24, verse 31, um, he looked like himself. And not only did he look like himself when he resurrected, I believe that we're going to look like ourselves when we're resurrected, but in a glorified way. I, I can't, I don't know what all that means. So some of y'all may be like, man, is he going to fix this gap or this? Is he going to fix this? Is he? I, 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 I can't go in all that. I, man, this is higher than the other. I, I, I. You're going to look like yourself. We're going to recognize you just as much as Peter recognized Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration and they had never met them before. Because in heaven won't be no strangers. You're going to know people that you've never met. People are going to look like themselves. You're going to see people. You're going to know their names. That's one of the hardest things to do sometimes is to learn somebody's name. But we're going to know names. Jesus looked like himself. We're going to look like ourselves and recognize people that we've never met. He sounded like himself. When he said Mary, that's when she turned around. Because in that culture, women weren't to look directly at men. So when she's sitting in the tomb, she's thinking the gardener is behind her talking to her. And it's not until Jesus says, Mary, that she recognizes his voice and turns around and says, Rabbi. And she grabs his physical body and doesn't want to let him go. So we're going to sound like ourselves. We won't sound like this, 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 this. And I think God is saying, I created you uniquely, wonderfully, and specially. Your high-pitched voice, your deep voice, uh, your gravel voice, whatever it is, it's beautiful to me. So much so that when I redeem everything about you, you're going to have that same voice. He spoke his common Hebrew language when he resurrected. Hebrew and Aramaic. Uh, and we will speak our common language when we get to heaven. As Americans who tend to be arrogant, we need to realize that English will not be the primary language of heaven. It will be one of the languages of heaven. And I believe God is going to give us the ability to understand the languages of other nationalities without having learned those languages. Won't be no strangers in heaven is the point. So if I don't speak Yoruba, I'm going to know how to speak it when I get to heaven. If I don't speak Choctaw now, I'm going to know how to speak it when I get to heaven because we're going to speak our native tongues. But there will be some unifying language of heaven because when it comes time to worship, we're all going to be saying the same things to God. So speaking of a unity, once again, in the midst of our diversity, and I, I can't explain how all of it is going to work, but the Bible does let us know that, man, we're going to speak because God saves us from every nation, language, and people group.
So all the languages. How many languages are in Nashville in our public schools? Over 100. So how many languages will be in heaven? Probably thousands. Not only in the common age, but also in the earlier primitive days. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be amazing, y'all. So if you don't like diversity here, you're going to struggle with diversity up there. And if you, you struggle with it too much down here, it might be proof that you're not really going up there. I'll leave that alone and let you and the Holy Ghost work that out. He also maintained his male gender. He died a man. He resurrected a man. So when you go to heaven, you will maintain the gender that you were born with. I'm going to keep moving. But I want you to hear that, though. You will have the gender you were born with, not the one that you wanted. Okay. Um, mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Trauma is real. Things are real. The devil is also very deceptive. He made them male and female. He will redeem them male and female. He maintained his Hebrew ethnicity. Revelation 5, 5. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of America. No, lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose the seals. So in heaven, Jesus maintains his Hebrew ethnicity. And in heaven, we will maintain our, our ethnicities. So if you're a native Asian, Latino, African-American, African, Alaskan, uh, wh- whatever ethnicity God created you as, you will go to heaven as that. So we don't need to be ashamed of who we are ethnically speaking because God made no mistake when he made us the way he made us and placed us in the family that he placed us in. So therefore, I don't need to be ashamed of being a black man. I don't need to apologize for being a black man, even though history in America has made it shameful at times to be a black man or to be a a, 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 uh, a Latino woman, or whatever the case may be, we don't have to apologize because this is how God made us. You may not recognize my worth, but God does. And when we get to heaven, we won't all be clear, you know, no colors. <laughs> we won't all be white. We won't all be black. We're going to be who we are, a beautiful rainbow of diversity. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Let's see if we can read that. Y'all got that one up there for me? Revelation 5, 9. It says, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Here it is, Strong Tower. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. The word nation comes from the Greek word ethnos, where we get ethnicity from. So Jesus redeemed people because he sent the church out to the nations with the gospel. And through Jesus, he saves the nations because he made a promise to a Hebrew who really didn't start off as a Hebrew. He was a pagan worshiping the moon in Mesopotamia, Ur of the Chaldees. God calls him out of darkness and says, Abram, through you and your people, I'm going to bless every family on the face of the earth. And through the seed that came through Abraham, Jesus, the Savior, he's redeemed, purchased. Not just Jewish people, 
but Gentile people. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And I love that about God. Finally, Jesus' resurrection body was incredible. I don't know if y'all ready for this. I don't know if y'all ready for this. Here, here it comes. Jesus' resurrection body could become immaterial. Immaterial. He was physical, but he also could become immaterial. What do you mean by that? According to John chapter 20, verses 5 through 7, he passed through his grave clothes. Bible says, and he, stooping down and looking in, that's John, saw the linen cloths. And when they would wrap a, a dead person, the Jewish people, they would mummify them. They would wrap them real tight and wrap them up and they would anoint with spices and all that. And so he looks in and he sees the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in because he's thinking Jesus is still possibly in there because of how it looks laying on the slab. He's heard that he's risen, but he sees the cloth lying in this place where the body was. He's like, is he there? I can't tell. But Peter, he, he, he ain't got no problem. Uh, he came, followed him, and went into the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. And watch this. And the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen cloths, verse 7. So when Jesus got up from the dead, he passed through the tightly bound grave clothes, left them still on the slab, got up, just came through them. And then when he got up, he took the handkerchief that was on his head, folded it, and put it over here as a picture for those looking in saying, he, not only did he get up, but he made his bed when he got up. I mean, he, he, he put that over there. And they're trying to figure out, and some of them like, I don't know about that, man, I don't know. But keep on, because it gets better, man. It gets better. He not only passed through the grave clothes, and let me say this too. Remember when Lazarus came out of the grave? Being so tightly bound, he just couldn't walk. He had to hop, because they would wrap you like that. And so that's why Jesus said, loose him and let him go. He can't loose himself. But Jesus didn't need anybody to loose him from those strips of linen because he came through them. But then he came through the gravestone. Matthew chapter 28 verse 2 the Bible says when they got to the tomb the angel rolled the stone away. So that means that when Jesus resurrected he didn't come out by pushing the stone aside. The stone wasn't pushed aside until the angel moved it aside. And the stone wasn't moved aside for Jesus to come out, but it was moved aside so that the world could look in and be like, he ain't in here. How did he get out without the stone being rolled? He came through the stone. Ah. Now, see, you want to say, I, I don't know about all that. Well, you probably don't know about other passages in the Bible that you might have trouble when Enoch was just taken to heaven without dying. When Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, he just disappeared, which goes into one of my next points in a moment. So, if you, again, it takes faith. He passed because people didn't believe he was going to turn water into wine, but he did it. They didn't believe he was going to feed a whole colony with two fish and five loaves of bread, but he did it. There's a wonder about our God. There's power, wonder-working power. But not only that, he passed through locked doors in the upper room. John chapter 20, verse 19. John chapter 20, verse 19. Y'all got that one? It says, then the same day at evening, resurrection day, 
being the first day of the week, which is Sunday, uh, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Why are they afraid? That master just got killed, and they think that the same people who killed him are coming after them. So they done got the doors all shut and locked. Verse 19, Jesus came and stood in the midst. It don't say he knocked on the door. He came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So how did he get into a locked room? He just appeared. He, he, he came through the wall. Verse 26, because Thomas wasn't there. He missed church that morning, and he showed up the next week. And it says, and after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, watch this, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to y'all. Deuces, peace. How did he get up in there? Doors shut, implying he didn't need the door to get in. I mentioned he could suddenly appear. He did this in Mark 16, 14, Luke 24, 36, and he could suddenly disappear. Luke chapter 24, verse 31. Now, I can't say emphatically if we're going to be able to pass through solid objects and appear and disappear. I, I can't say emphatically, but I can say there's a strong possibility that we're going to be able to do all of those things because we're going to get a body like the Lord, which means we're going to have fun with those bodies. Can you imagine playing hide-and-go-seek with a body <laughs> that can just disappear? Man, where'd Darina go? She was here. Now she's over there. He could also defy gravity. He went up to heaven on a cloud, Acts chapter 1, verse 9. It says, now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. How are you going to step on a cloud and ride it up to heaven like it's an escalator? In other words, he had the ability to defy gravity, to fly. He didn't need the cloud to go up. He went up on the cloud because Jesus likes a little, you know, hey, man, we're going to have some showmanship here. Because when he returns to earth, he's going to return riding on clouds. And he said that to the chief priests, and they said, are you the king of the Jews? Are you the Christ? He said, yes, I am. And there will come a day when you will see the Son of Man riding on clouds of power. And we sing that song in worship. Behold, he comes riding like the sun, you know, riding on a cloud, all of that. He's coming back on a cloud. Acts chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, uh, the angel said, why do you keep looking up? Because the same way he went up is the way he's coming back again on a cloud. So he'll defy gravity. Final thing I'll say to you, since Peter walked on water in his natural body, Jesus walked on water, defying gravity. Peter got out of the boat and walked on water in his fallen natural body. Therefore, I have to believe that in our redeemed perfect bodies, we're going to be able to walk on water too. You get that? Peter did it in a fallen body. Why can't we do it in resurrection bodies? Once again, can you imagine playing on a lake in the new earth just running across the water, having fun. And then you could take off and fly 
and go up in the air and even fly higher than birds. Pastor, you tripping now. No, no. And then dive deep into the ocean like Aquaman without any kind of backpack uh, with oxygen in it. How can you do that? Well, he's going to give us dominion in this new earth. And I don't know if you can have dominion over a bird, over a fish, if you can't do what it does. I think we're going to be flying. Some of us who can't swim now, you're going to swim in a new heaven and new earth. <laughs> Black folks, that means a lot of y'all going to be able to swim. <laughs> oh, man. So finally, Strong Tower, like Jesus' resurrection body, our resurrection bodies will be physical, recognizable, and incredible. I don't know all the details. I don't know how it all works. But what we're going to get is better than what we have. On Thursday, I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I normally get up early. But I was, you know, 4 in the morning, just wide awake. Went all day Thursday. Saying to myself, I got to get me a nap today. Because the Lecrae concert is later tonight, and I don't want to go to Lecrae concert tired. But did I get a nap that day? No. Went to the Lecrae concert, took about two hours before the brother got on the stage. Then I'm trying to jump and do all the stuff the young people do while he's on his set, Andy Minio. We get home, I get in bed, it's 1 o'clock a.m. Been up since 4 a.m., Got to get up Friday at 5 a.m. to catch a 6.45 flight to go to Philadelphia. So I get up, go to the airport, get to Philly in a conference all day. I'm tired. Then they got the nerve to have an evening session at the conference on Friday. And the praise and worship was just amazing. But I was so tired, I sat down in the back of the room and I just waved a hand every now and then. I said, Lord, I'm too tired. I'm, I'm too tired. And the Lord reminded me. He said, don't you know there's coming a day when you'll never be tired worshiping God? I mean, you can worship for hours, days. We, you'll never get tired worshiping God. But here's the beautiful thing, even more beautiful than that. When we worship God, we go into his presence here in a very limited way, but in heaven in a very real way, in the new earth in a very real way. And the only way I can get into the presence of God is that I have a body like the body of Jesus. What do I mean by that? When we talk about God, the Bible says not only is he holy, 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 which means he's set apart and distinct from sin, he is light. And in him there is no darkness. Not only is he light, 1 Timothy says he dwells in unapproachable light. That's, we're talking about God the Father right now. And, and, and he's got this radiance, Hebrews chapter 1, that, that is just unmistakable. You, you can't even think of a way to try to uh, 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 compare his radiance, his glory, and his power. Then the writer of Hebrews says he's a consuming fire. In the Old Testament, no one could look on God and live. But here comes Jesus. And the Bible says in John chapter 1 that he was with God, which means face to face, 
Jesus was also in the bosom of the Father, and Jesus said, I've made him known. The one that y'all can't get close to, I'm in his bosom. So much so that when you see me, you've seen him. And he has a preeminent place, the book of Colossians, that no one else has because of his closeness to God as God the Son. Now, think about the Son, S-U-N, for a moment. We can't get too close to the S-U-N without being blinded or burning up. If the earth gets too close to the sun, we're all in trouble. And the sun is simply a star. So think about the one who created the star, how mighty he is. Jesus comes out of his bosom and says, the only way to get to him is to come through me. I'm the door. But not only can we get to him, but because we're going to get a body like Jesus, we'll be able to get close to him and watch this, see the face of God the Father. I close Revelation chapter 22, verse 1 through 4. I got to give you some good news. Y'all got that up there? If not, I'll read it here. Y'all got Revelation 22? I got it right here. There it is. Y'all got verse 1? Kids are ready for candy. Y'all got verse one? All right, well, let's get verse two. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse. Verse three. Keep me rolling. Y'all got more? Y'all got more? What y'all got? Y'all got more? That's all y'all got? All right, I, I got it right here. That's my bad. I didn't read it right to y'all during the week. And so uh, peep this, y'all. Verse three says, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him, speaking of God on the throne. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. So through Jesus, I not only get to heaven, but because of the body like Jesus, I get to get close to God while I'm in heaven and even see the face of God. Can't comprehend all of that, but that doesn't mean we won't experience it. That's the good news. Stand on your feet with me. Stand on your feet with me. I got an announcement to make about how we're going to do this. At this time, all trunk hosts are now dismissed to prepare for the children and festivities. So if you're a trunk host, you've got, see, I'm about to joke and say junk in the trunk. Probably not. Probably not a good illustration. If you got candy in your, the trunk of your car, uh, you're dismissed right now to go set up. And, um, and we're going to be dismissed to the fellowship hall after I pray. So we're going to go down to the fellowship hall. And we're going to wait for everybody to put the cars in place. And I, I'm told we have ponies this year. So there are ponies out there and Police, I, I think they're out there. I'm not sure. Miss Felicia, mounted police are there. So take plenty of pictures. And we also have a hot dog bar. Okay? Um, so you're going to be able to eat and all that good stuff. So it's going to be a good time for us to fellowship. All right. So after I pray, let's dismiss to the fellowship hall. Final announcement, everybody. Wednesday is Halloween. But Wednesday is also the time of impact 
that we do here at the church. We know some of you will be out in the communities with your families, and, and man, that's great. But some of us say, man, I'm, I'm going to come to church. So if you want to come to church, we're going to be here from 6.30, from 6 to 7.30. And we're going to have a catered meal this Wednesday for those who come. Um, and, and so, yeah, and then we're going to have, man, we, we got some blessings we want to give to those who come. In every age group, we got some things we're working on. We just want to bless our children, our students, and our adults. So Wednesday, uh, if you want to come to the house of the Lord, we'll be here. We're not going to call you a heathen if you uh, walk the streets with your children getting candy. We won't do it to your face anyway. We'll call you a heathen behind your back. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> but no, we'll be here having a good time with a catered meal at 6 o'clock. So come join us. Uh, grab hands with someone next to you. Father, we heard a lot today, but I hope that what we heard today for this sermon can help us deal with the things we hear in culture that's so negative, that's so hard, that there's hope for us, and we long for you to come back to us or even for us to go to you, whichever comes first. Thank you, Jesus, for taking care of the curse. Thank you, Jesus, for not only redeeming us, but also redeeming the earth. We have something great to look forward to, but I pray for the person right now who's struggling, hurting, has questions. I'm glad they're here today. I'm glad they're watching today. Would you meet them? Would you bless them? Would you speak to them? May they open up this book so that you may open up their heart and their mind with how much you love them. Now, Lord, as we go out into the parking lot just to have a good time, would you bless our fellowship? May each one of our children know of your love. Oh, God, we love you, and we bless you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's go to the fellowship hall, and we'll get instructions after that. Let's go to the fellowship hall.